Well, good evening. Merry Christmas. Thank you. We're so grateful that you've, uh, that you've joined us on an evening like this. It is a, a gift to remember all that is good and all that has been given uh, to us in Jesus Christ. That's the goal for the night. That's been the hope. And so I'm going to take just a few minutes now. Obviously, the spirit of the night is celebration, and we've sung together, we've prayed together, we've rehearsed and had a unified confession. These are all good things. I want to take just a moment and consider a question that we've been asking all month, a question that I believe has great importance because it is an explanation for what this whole season is about. You may have heard Christians use the word Advent, especially recently or perhaps in the past. And Advent had to do with a period of time. It has to do with the period of a church calendar where we remember that God's people for a long, long time waited. They waited for the coming of Christ. And then more than that, Christians now for the last couple thousand years have also partaken in waiting. We are still waiting. And so one of the questions that we've asked over the last number of weeks is, what are you waiting for? Suppose someone asked, what is it that God's people were waiting for? And what are you waiting for now? We ought to have an answer to these things. So we've asked questions like this, most basic, a number of weeks back. What are you waiting for? And what I mean by that is when you slow down, and I hope you're getting some slow in a busy season, when you take time to think, what is it that you actually want? What do you desire to happen in your life and in the world? And do you think that God can move? And has he answered these deep desires? So what are you waiting for when you're not just going through the motions? What do you desire? We also asked and hopefully answered, what are you waiting for in the vein of, well, how will you know if you got it? What if you're just waiting forever? And so many of us are terrified that maybe we missed it. FOMO is a thing. And what if that happens? How do we know? And we said, well, Scripture tells us that we ought to look for the one who is anointed by the Spirit of God, who then lives according to the Spirit of God and then offers that Spirit to us. And we saw that in Jesus. Last week, I asked the question, well, what are, you, what are you waiting for? And the reference there, the idea was is that Jesus brings gifts. And so as God's people in the past and now in the, this moment, we've been waiting for what kids are waiting for tonight. Kids and all the kids at heart. You're waiting for the gifts. You're waiting for what you'll get. You're waiting to wake up tomorrow morning and joyously dig in, hopefully through a mound of ever-growing presence. You want what can be given to you. Tonight, I want to look at Isaiah 61, because that's been the lens we've been looking through. Isaiah is a prophet. He spoke these things more than, well more than 500 years before Jesus came. And I'm going to ask and hopefully try to answer that same question. What are you waiting for? What are we waiting for? Out of the light of Isaiah 61. This is the first three verses. We're going to go quickly. I'll have just a few things to say. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, 
the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. The thing that I want to point out in the midst of this, and to maybe play off this idea of what are you waiting for, is the nowness that's present here. The idea that there's not some future out there where hopefully we could receive and hopefully we could get the wonder of Christmas, the words of Isaiah 61, then repeated later by Jesus, tell us that these things are now. When good news to the poor, now. When can the brokenhearted expect to find some healing and be bound up? Now. When is the year of the Lord's favor? We're living in light of the year of God's favor. You see, Jesus began his ministry thinking about things like this. And he saw awaiting people, distressed people, people who didn't know exactly where to turn or if they would ever get what they hoped for. And Luke chapter 4, it records for us, starting in verse 16, that Jesus, the beginning of his ministry, he goes to Nazareth, it says, where he'd been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and he found the place where it was written, Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now that's quite the thing to read. I'm sure people listened probably some distraction like most churchy crowds. But what I want to focus now is on verse 20, because I believe it expresses the heart of Jesus and what he was concerned for. This is what it says. He rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. Now, I like to imagine a good, pregnant, sort of awkward pause here after that period, because he doesn't benedict. He doesn't send them out. He doesn't give a pontificating speech about what he just read. He just stops, and it's quiet. He might have heard some whispers like, what do we do now? He didn't tell us which side of the potluck line to go in. You know, I don't know, do we start? Do we not? Is it blessed? And that's why after that period where he sat down, it says that the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And what is behind those eyes, I think, is what Jesus anticipates. It's something like this. Did he just say that that was now? The question they had is, we've been waiting this whole time, is then now? Is he saying that this is being fulfilled right here? Do we have this from God now? And I think that Jesus, who knew hearts and minds, knew this, because in verse 21 it says, he began to say to them, today, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Not tomorrow, not someday in the future, not some hopeful, distant tomorrow. Today, as of right now, Jesus says, I'm in front of you. I am giving you these things. When can the poor feel the riches of God and receive from him? Now. When can those who are brokenhearted find healing for wounds? And Jesus is looking out to people who are hesitant and waiting and staring. And he's saying, today, I'm here. I'm now. When can people who have felt entrapped by sin be set free? When can those who are truly in prison be released? It's as though he is saying to all who would listen then, and I think listen, who are listening now, what are you waiting for? 
You know, there's a way to ask that question. I hear myself with a little bit of dad voice sometimes telling the kids, what are you waiting for? I think back to when I grew up. I grew up in a very cold place. In fact, it is traditionally or consistently the second coldest place in the U.S. Right behind Barrow, Alaska is where I grew up in North Dakota. And I do miss snow at Christmas time, but not much else about winter. You know all these songs, they sound pleasant, Winter Wonderland? <laughs> they're, they're lying. Like it's pleasant for a little while when it's coming down. When it's coming down, and after that, not much else. And I can remember the cold, just biting cold over and over and over again. I can remember especially biting cold. I had 7.30 a.m. gym class at our high school. And our high school had a big gymnasium and underneath it a, a swimming pool. And we, during our gym class, we had swimming section. You had to do this for weeks on end to prove that you could swim. And we had a gym teacher who was exactly what you want for a gym teacher. He was gruff, rough around the edges, witty, loving, engaging, always had some little quip for you. And the last thing that I wanted to do on a January morning at 7.30 a.m., when I'm standing on the edge of the pool, cold, now it's not an outdoor pool, but you get the point, I'm still, you know, you haven't thought out yet, and I'm standing on the edge. The last thing I want to do is dive in and start exercising, and I can hear Coach Sullivan's voice. Olam, these laps aren't going to swim themselves. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? You see, I was hesitating because I think in that moment I felt there's an urgency there that the coach had for me, and I had an urgency, but it was an urgency of obligation. I was obligated to do this thing. I wasn't sure it was going to be uncomfortable, and I was hesitant. And I think for many people in the world, when I ask them, what are you waiting for? Have you considered Jesus? You know what Christmas is about? Have you heard this story? Well, what are you waiting for? Have you engaged? Have you placed faith in him? that what they hear and what they think this is all about is an urgency of obligation. And so they spend a lot of their lives, though they would have a desire for many of the benefits they hear. Well, that sounds great, they might say. They stand trembling on the edge of the pool like me, putting it off. And what I want to convince you tonight, and what I hope that you've heard through the weeks, and what you hear tonight, is that this is a different kind of what are you waiting for. This is the kind of what are you waiting for as though parents had carefully set out a surprise birthday party for a three-year-old child and all their little daycare friends are there and all the gifts are made and grandma flew in and they put him down in front of his high chair and they bring out something he can never have. They're those parents, sugar, he's never heard of it except for this one day. Massive cake, mounds of frosting. They throw it in front and they get the camera ready and they can't wait. They sing the happy birthday and they say, all right, go. And then the kid just kind of stares around. Like, what what am I supposed to do? I'm dumbfounded. I don't know. And you know what they might say? You know what the dad might whisper? He might come in there and say, hey, buddy, hey, ace old pal, what are you waiting for? Dive in. What are you waiting for? Taste and see that it's good. What are you waiting for? Your friends are here. Grandma's over there crying. What are you waiting for? Receive what we've set out for you. You see, that's a different kind of what are you waiting for? There's an urgency in that question, but the urgency is an urgency of opportunity. Listen, we're not going to sit here forever. Those other kids are hungry. They're going to eat your cake. It's an urgency of blessing. It's the parents saying to the kid, what are you waiting for? You're withholding. You're not 
receiving what's been given for you. It's an urgency of joy. And I think that what Jesus proclaims when he stands up at the beginning of his ministry and he tells everyone, today, today's the day, he's giving all who would listen a kind of urgency. But it's not only an urgency of obligation. Jesus will return one day and he'll bring judgment with him. That's in Isaiah 61 too. And we don't pull punches about that. One day there will be an urgency of obligation because every knee will bow. But we live now between the first and the second coming and we live in a period where there is urgency only of blessing, urgency only of joy, urgency of opportunity. Because the ministry of Jesus is not for some distant future. It's not a when I grow up, it's a now. I know almost no one who says, you know what I'm hoping for in the coming year? A more dull spirit. I just want to be less spiritual. No one says, you know what I'm hoping for when I grow up? I want to be less connected to the people and the things I love. You know what I want in the coming year? I want to be a little more dead inside. You know what I want in the coming year? Less commitment. Hoping to be more sketchy, a little dodgy. Nobody says this. But instead, my guess is, is that you're not sure something's keeping you. You see, I know what happens at Christmas time. At Christmas time, you wonder, you even remember, you think to yourself, what would it be like to dive in? What would it be like to partake? What if I prayed a little more consistently? What if I made some commitments? What if this thing was true? And maybe at Christmas time, when you slow down, the Spirit of God is calling out to you. And maybe the Spirit is saying to you, what are you waiting for? What kind of doubts need to be overcome by a faith, a steadfast hope? What kind of hurts could be healed if you would just give them to Jesus, who has come to bind up the brokenhearted? What kind of distractions need to maybe be a bit lessened? What cynicism could be shattered through sheer joy? So the question for a night like this, what I hope you've heard in the songs, is urgency. Urgency of blessing and great joy set before us. Christmas is us reminding ourselves that we don't have to only and always wait. That Jesus has come for us. He is now. He is present. He is to be received and enjoyed. He is ours today. This has been fulfilled. And as they heard and as we hear, Jesus can be ours. I want to pray for us that this would be the case. Let's pray together. God, I ask that whatever is keeping us, procrastination or hurt, fear, whatever doubts keep nagging at us, the kind of pain or grief or anger that we harbor, I pray that we would set these things aside. And better than that, that we would bring them to you, Jesus. We thank you that you're here, you're present, you're not some far off future. We celebrate you, the nowness of Christmas. And I ask that even these moments, as we taste, as we sing, as we pray, 
that you would make yourself real to us, that we would receive you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.